listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 132 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where I'm here to inform you Maryland still hasn't gotten over the 50-yard line against Iowa. And it might be another two years if they kept playing against Iowa before they'd score. Uh, Thomas, I don't think there's really much to say about that Iowa game. They got whipped again by a real football team. Yeah, whipped a a, a little more than any of us expected, although I was lower on the Terps than most entering the weekend. I was going to say that I expected Iowa to Iowa-Maryland to death, but that was the most Iowa game ever. Minus the punting, because Iowa never had to basically punt. Iowa's punts were great. I know they the were. <laughs> and we were, weren't many of them. It was a shame. Now, you can't go to an Iowa game without expecting some good fundamental punting. But everything else was just slow pinpricks to death. Except it was the fastest like college football game I've ever seen. It was over at 250. Thanks to Iowa, it was mercifully over very, very quickly because they had drives that were 18 plays. They do nothing on first and second down, convert a third and long, repeat, rinse, Maryland would hold for a field goal, offense would be off the field in four plays, and then that would be it. At least it was relatively painless. Like, it wasn't a blowout. It wasn't like Maryland was getting visibly embarrassed. If you look at the score, like, 23 nothing's not terrible, and then you watch the game and you're like, uh, no, it was a lot worse than 23 nothing. Yeah, I mean, Maryland just never really threatened to do anything about the nothing. And, you know, I, I think we have to say this in just in terms of a global sense. You know, you had a stat, I think it was, what, Maryland's had at least 375 yards in each of their four wins, right? I think I saw you say mm-hmm. that on Saturday. Yep. I did the math, and Maryland has 510 yards total in their three losses. Like The yeah. difference between Maryland good and Maryland bad is gigantic. It's Maryland bigger- does not have between... 220 and 375 yards this like, year. Normally you'd expect like an in-between performance, but Maryland against Michigan, who is really, really good, let's be fair, and Iowa, who's also pretty dang good, and Temple, who let's not slight Temple much anymore. They are 4-0 in the American, and while they've lost to Villanova, I know that's terrible. Buffalo is also one of the best teams in the MAC, and they've just beat a previously unbeaten Cincinnati team and made them look ordinary. So Temple's not really that bad. I mean, again, it's a team Maryland should beat, But for all intents and purposes, Maryland's lost a pretty decent football team this year. But in those losses, they haven't been competitive. There hasn't been a close game in them. And are you surprised at this point that we're seven-twelfths of the way through the season and Maryland's either had really good performances or really bad and there's no middle? I don't don't really think I'm that surprised by it. It seems like a very Maryland thing to be definitively – better than some teams and definitively worse than some teams. I mean, you, you would you would like to see just for entertainment purposes more than one close game over the course of the season, but... Uh, yeah, now that you just think about it, only the Texas game was close. All the others have been blowouts one way or the other. Yeah, yeah but I would say that's been how it's been. Like, we, we probably ought to outline a larger pattern here because that's... Yeah, I think you'll know Maryland is really competing in the Big Ten when it has one of these games where they're at least playing them close against a Big Ten team that is good. 
like Michigan State was the one example where they played a, like a historically good program that was good, but Michigan State was trash that late, that year. Well, even so, last year they only lost by ten. By the way, Ryan Connors is on the show. I, I didn't mention that, but he's here. I think he figured that out by now. Um, yeah, yeah, that is that is true. Um, and you, you always would have liked to see. Like, if this was potentially this season was going to be one of the better Maryland teams in a while, like, you, you know, our argument can be made that, you know, whatever results this team had, like, you'll never know what the team really would have been like without um, everything that happened in the offseason and is still happening. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's no way to account for that. And but even then, they still beat right now what is a top 10 team in Texas. And they played really well against them. And then when they go up against good teams of the Big Ten, they fold up. It, it, uh, the Texas game will, will provide, I, like, there's just no, that was, both seasons, the Texas game was just so ridiculous. And even now, it's interesting. I guess they're technically a top ten team in the AP poll. S&P Plus has them about, as about the 40th team in the nation, um, which is, which is lower than Temple, where it has 36. So, so wait, so wait, you're telling me, according to SCP Plus, which we love, we love Bill Connolly, that Temple is better than Texas, and Texas is a top 10 team. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, SP Plus is not a kind of thing where you'd, you'd say, when, when a team is two spots better than another team, you'd say that, that, that that's anything definitive. But uh, SP projects them as, as similar teams, yes. Okay. I was not prepared to hear that, but, well, it makes the Temple loss seem less bad. It, it does. This was sort of Temple's only, like, they did this last year, too, but they, I mean, they lost to a good FCS team in Villanova, but still Villanova. They lost to Buffalo, who is a good G5 team, but still Buffalo. I mean, they're going to probably win the MAC. That's not terrible. Right. Uh, and, you know, those two losses maybe seem, the context of that game is a little bit more palatable for Maryland fans to digest at this point. Um, but like when I wrote, I, I was fairly hard on them after I, after that game. And I feel like it was warranted. And, but I did have, you know, leave the caveat that either Temple suddenly became good overnight or Maryland's in trouble. And it, it looks like Temple did become good literally in that game. Um, so. and they switched quarterbacks, by the way. Yeah. The backup yeah. quarterback ended up becoming the starter because of that game. And you can't say – I mean, hey, the Temple does is, is irrespective of what Maryland does. It just makes the loss look a little bit better. Uh, now we get to an interesting game this coming Saturday against Illinois. Hey, look, it's a game that's not at noon. Isn't that great? Maybe. Uh, they play Illinois. Now, here's the only good thing about that Temple game, Ryan, that I wanted to mention. It means that Maryland has woken up and is not going to take any team lightly anymore. I mean, they might get blown out by good teams, but what they did against – uh, Rutgers shows me they do now take every single game very, very seriously. And I think that that's going to mean that they, even though Illinois is very bad, they have three wins, but they're against Kent State and Rutgers who have two wins combined and then an FCS team that I don't know how good they are. But this is a game that Maryland obviously said before the season they have to win and they are favored in. And based on the pattern of this season, this should be a game that Maryland should do very well in and perhaps this should be one of those games that looks a little bit more like, uh, well, Minnesota and Bowling Green and uh, Minis Bowling Green and Minnesota, and I forget who else they beat. Rutgers, eh, forget about them is probably a good idea, than any of the other games. 
Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, Maryland's been double digits, you know, double digit favorites in a lot of those games. Minnesota was kind of a pick 'em, but Maryland was pretty clearly the better team that day. And I, I think Maryland will probably be clearly the better team in this game. Illinois just doesn't have kind of defense that can stop Maryland's running game. And, and Maryland also has an X factor, and Trey Watson just played for them. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't think it'll be some sort of well, even he has better performance. On a normal day, he'll have twenty tackles today on Saturday, I should say. I guess. Like we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> have to see. He's gonna be motivated to play every week, but if you can find a way to motivate him even more, having him play against his old team is probably one of those things. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad he's on. Uh, Maryland side in this game. Can we just say, at least for that Iowa game briefly, the defense did about, again, basically everything it was asked to do. The offense just didn't pick up the slack. It's like at this point, I'm feeling like I'm watching, sadly, I'm going to say this for my own personal taste, it feels like watching the Jaguars when their offense is so terrible and the defense is doing everything it can to basically survive, and then it just gives out at the end because that's all it could do because at some point you can't ask your defense to do any more than it has. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the de- the defense started forcing punts at the end, too. They forced and a turnover, too, like, really early in the game. And did yeah, nothing so it with was, it, just like it so happened it was, against Michigan. It was turnover, field goal, field goal, touchdown, field goal. All really long drives. Like, all at least eight plays, all at least 40 yards. Because Iowa was converting pretty much every four- third down, and then when they didn't, they were converting on fourth down. Yep. And, and so, you know, the, the defense, obviously getting off the field is a big part of it. Um, Maryland's third down defense has been pretty good this year. Iowa had a lot of third and shorts, but also converted the third and longs it encountered. So I think that that's the one real area that, you know, for, for concern, the defense really did all it could otherwise. Yep. Uh, Ryan, you want to say something quickly about the defense in Illinois? The, well, what I'll say about the defense is Maryland's defense is actually like, got a lot better this year and it's probably something I'll write about when uh, I have time and there's not an investigation and a potential coach firing coming. Um, yes. They're, uh, like go, going by numbers last year, their defense was, I think around 85 in S and P plus this year, it's 34 after the end. Substantial improvement. And I mean, like you don't even need advanced numbers to see like the defense is a lot better. I mean, Trey Watson's presence helps, but a lot of their best players have been the players you thought would be their best players. Yeah, and I think it, it, it is interesting because of the, like, Trey Watson's good, but he'll be gone next year. A couple secondary guys will be gone. Byron Coward, for all we know, might be a one-year guy. Jesse Annabonum's gone. But the I think we were, in a lot of ways, entering the season. We're expecting next year to be the year that may, like, maybe they improve 15 spots this year and then... 20 spots next year was really what I was, what I envisioned, but uh, it, it's sort of the, it's becoming the defense that we wrote about when DJ Durkin was, was first hired. And uh, I think it, you know, it would, it could, it would say a lot of things about the future of the coaching staff in a different, in a different, uh, you know, like timeline. In an alternate universe that we all live dimension. in. Um, now, who knows what it says about anyone, but, uh, well, it yeah. it says that Andy Boo is not nearly as bad as we thought he was, because there was a lot of talk about him being fired in the offseason, and... I, I, with one, one more bad year, he, 
his name would have been the most logical one to go just because they the head coach was a defensive expert and if the defense isn't bad the the defense is that bad then someone's got to go at some point but i think uh it's surprising like the numbers say that their run defense is what what has been even better than the past defense and last year the run defense was the main like you know people could just you could drive a dump dump truck to through the offensive line all that stuff and uh the last number I'll go with is havoc rate, which is Bill C's stat that uh, combines how like disruptive you are with interception, tackles for loss, things like that. Uh, it says overall havoc rate; they're only 78th, but defensive back havoc rate is where they are 12th, which I'm sure that five interception game against Rutgers helped a bit. But uh, that is like that's I'm sure just a ridiculous improvement. And uh, it is. Yeah. And that and that's goes to Andy Boone, a lot of the players that are veterans that have been on there and helped out. And in the losses, they could only do so much because the offense was not picking them up. Okay, let's get to the investigation stuff because we, we've been hoping that there was news, but the only news we have is that more meetings are happening. And I'm glad that there are meetings, but at, like we know that the announcement, Thomas, of what's happening is going to come soon. But at this point... It doesn't seem like they're kicking the can down the road. It just seems like right now they're trying to set all their ducks in a row because they know this is the most important day in the history of the program in what? I can't even think how long. So let's set everything up. They've just held a meeting to, I don't know, be given some of this information. I think that's how it goes. I think they had, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, so they had a meeting yesterday, and now they've set up another meeting, which I'm trying to get it all straight because I think they're having one next week. But they're also having one, what is it, tomorrow? I don't think there's a meeting next week. Is that The plan was to release findings within a week of yesterday's meeting. So by the 30th. Except yeah. they had some language in their statement that was like, expects to, and then initial recommendations, which left the door open for this to take a lot longer. Which, based on how all of this has gone, like, it's not a bad bet. Certainly um, can't rule it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I, I've said before, I repeatedly think that taking as long as you possibly can to make this decision because you know how important it is and you have to get it right is fine. I just think at this point right now, doesn't it behoove them to wait until after the season ends to do this? Because you've already waited this long. I mean, I know they're not going to, but... I, I think it's... Uh, I don't even know. If what would have happened, I think to wait till after the season would have been to to essentially place winning football games over the like moving forward with it. And at a certain point, it's just not about like what actually happens on the field. Not saying that you think that it is, uh, but just the idea that, well, you know, we might have like, yeah, this has taken so long. But the only reason to wait till after the season would be so that it so that it wouldn't affect the team on the field. And uh, at this point, that's just got to be a secondary concern. But I also think uh, back to the general timeline. Um, yeah, I think like it certainly doesn't rule out the, the fact that there would be further meetings next week or like a Tuesday meeting. But like Thomas said, for all we know, the last meeting could be Thursday. And Thursday at 3 p.m., I think, is when the meeting starts. So it's a conference call, I guess, if that if that yeah. matters, um, I, I don't, I, I, whatever there's the conference call at three. And then it essentially means from three from after three on Thursday that we 
we would be on, you know, Maryland on on news alert. But then, you know, they're, they're not going, going to announce it on Saturday. I think that would be, I think we know that. But then back on Sunday, I imagine uh, that, that would be fair game. So it is, uh, we're, we're hoping they're going to announce something so that we can at least, like, know when to be at our computers and know when we can, like, go outside. And have a life. It's just at this point, I, I at this point I just don't know what to say other than we will say something. I think Thomas when the news comes out, because at this point just waiting for it, it's just at this point the news is that there's no news, and when it all comes out, I, I don't even know how to anticipate like what's going to happen. Like well, the the findings will be released, there will be a press conference probably, and we'll find out pretty soon after whether Durkin's hired or fired. I guess that's all that we can. Hired, as in stays on, or fired. I guess that's like that's basically all I have left to say. Because at this point, all we have the news is just meetings. Yeah, and another thing is like the the board of regents can't fire Durkin. That's not something they can do. They can recommend the firing of Durkin. Which, if they if they recommend it, it probably happens. I can't uh, imagine a scenario in which it's recommended and he's not fired. Yeah. I think if it's recommended and uh, whoever it's recommended to, which I guess they can only recommend it maybe to Lowe and Damon Evans, but it would then be if they, if we recommend it, then you don't do it. And then you are like, I'm, I imagine the ultimatum would be pretty, pretty straightforward. Which again, I can't see anything wrong with that, but the, you could start to see and feel that stuff's happening behind the scenes. And, of course, stay tuned to Testudo Times for whenever that is. We're on watch at this point for whenever news is going to come. I said, as, as I said, I don't think it's happening Saturday, but I'd be, I'd be thinking next week, early next week, is when something's going to happen. And for all the possibilities that are going through your head, we will take account of all of them once the news actually breaks. And we will talk about that when we get to it. Let's get to that. I feel like... What was it? I feel like the uh, j- just the last thing on it, I, w- when it actually happens, I'm not really sure like how I'm going to react to anything because I've there were a few days early in this process that I thought they might just make some real quick decisions. Like there was the, the day that the Board of Regents first met about this, a lot of people, well-connected people, thought that like everyone could get fired that day. This yeah. was the last day of like my vacation and I blocked off plans and nothing happened all day. And so, (laughs) you know, the, there've been a few other days where it's like kind of sit and, and wait for stuff like the Walters, uh, the day that they announced findings from the Walters report, that was a press conference that was like initially slated for sometime around three and ended up happening at like six, if I recall correctly. So, I mean, yeah, these these are weird things to cover, but and, we'll do our best. And like if if the Ohio State situation where they're uh, like provides any guidance, that sort of was like they they met, they received a report on Sunday. And then about three days later, they they had their like all day meeting where they then announced the news at like 10 p.m. or something. Um, and then had a press conference the following day. Uh, no, well, they they had a press conference that night. Well, it was the Urban Meyer thing was the following day. The Urban Meyer press conference was that night. Was it that night? I thought oh, it was yeah. the following day. Because they 
they got the the press was there was camped out all day they got them and then they they did the thing where you hand them the documents with you hand them the 200 page report and then you're like i will take questions now and then of course no one has the whole report so they don't know it but uh, they haven't had time to read it now i don't think maryland's going to do that uh I, i don't think they should like i mean again you want people to read the report to ask you the right questions because then, then, you know, you, the press conference is really pointless if it ends up going to, uh, well, it's in the report. It's like we haven't had a chance to read this 200-page report yet, guys. We can't read in 200 pages in two minutes. But, you know, I mean, yeah, you, we'll, we'll see where it goes. You'd hope they Maryland has learned from that. But it is a good strategy if you don't want people to find out or really ask about what really happened. Well, at some point, so, something is going to be found out. Yeah. Something's going to be found out at some point, and I think they might want to, well, let's, let's worry about it when it happens. At this point, it's, it's worrying about possible scenarios that might not end up being reality, and when reality comes, we will talk about it. Of course, stay tuned to Testudo Times for all that you need and for all that you will read on these stories. We will get to that in due course, presumably next week, but it could be, who knows when it could be. They could do it on Election Day, for all I know, because that would be burying the news. But regardless of that, uh, let's focus to basketball. Uh, we know that we're recording this before a recruit could announce his commitment. That's just the timing of it all. Uh, that would be, of course, what's his face? I forget his name already. I'm very sorry about that. That's not a good sign. Dante Scott. You are Dante you- Scott. He's from, from the same high school as DJ Moore. Yes, in Philadelphia. Not Father Judge, not all these Imhotep. I know a little bit about these schools. Letting live outside of here. Uh, so he will commit later today. Again, Testudo Times will have that. Uh, quickly, Thomas, in case he does commit, he's a 2019 commit. He would join the Mitchell Twins as the only other two 2019 commits. Uh, what's his background? What's the lowdown on him? So he is a real versatile forward, sort of a you know a real, real physical player. He's the kind of guy Maryland could honestly use like this year, but that's not how it gets to work. Um, he can play... A lot of the different front court spots. I believe he's six eight. He's got a pretty versatile game, but you know, a physical power forward is, I think, what what Maryland's going for here and what they would be getting. And who else is in the running for him? I have not been following his recruitment that closely. Yeah, so his finalists are Maryland, Seton Hall, LaSalle, Temple, and South Carolina. Do you notice that most of those schools are Under Armour schools? He plays Under Armour AAU ball. What a shock. If the college basketball trials have taught us anything, which Maryland has not been mentioned in any of those, I'm just saying, like, once you see that in the courts and then it all gets explained to you and then you see where these kids could possibly be committing to, you start going, well, oh, Maryland wait a minute. Has, Maryland has been mentioned in this. Well, it has, but since... Tangentially. De Souza, that's it. Nothing well, right. has come out. I mean, they were they were mentioned. It was... It, it was... You know, not not the biggest deal, but not well, not compared enough. to other schools. But I mean, comparison, small small potatoes. Well, I mean, there were only like four four or five schools mentioned. There were a lot more, I think, that were mentioned, but whatever the case may be. Anyway, uh, so he's going to commit, but Maryland also has another commitment, and he's a 2020 commit, first Maryland 2020 commit. Thomas, uh, let's talk a little bit about him. Yeah, so it is. We've we've got a point guard. Uh, 2020 is the year that Anthony Cowan graduates, and not coincidentally at all, Maryland just got a point guard commit. Another uh, four-star local 
point guard. Marcus Dockery is his name. He uh, played at Roosevelt, I believe, this year. He's playing at O'Connell, which is where Melo Trimble went to school. So another WCAC point guard. Um, you know, it's obviously too early to tell what he's going to bring because he won't be in Maryland for another two years. But um, it, it's a good pickup for sure. Absolutely. And as we said, it is the first 2020 commitment. Uh, in terms of this year's team, we talked a lot about uh, Media Day last week and stories related to that. Uh, the first AP poll was released. They are at 30th or 31st, I think right outside the top 25. And then Ken Palm released its first rankings, and I believe, Ryan, they're 30th, so they are just outside the top 25, which is about where we thought they'd be. Uh, on another year, maybe they're in the top 25, but if they play well to start the season, they could very well be in it. They'll have enough games and have enough chances to win and beat decent teams, including Virginia, Seton Hall, Loyola, Chicago, that they might have an opportunity to get in the top 25 pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's – and I – like, college, paying attention to college basketball in the offseason is always like, eh, I don't usually do it. And I've been trying to read up, especially the like, some Big Ten stuff for us. But um, being 30th with the – the amount of new guys that Maryland has and the only two scholarship upperclassmen uh, seems seems perfectly fine. I don't imagine there's going to be any uh, any freaking out about it either way. Um, but but I I didn't end up reading the comments on that, so who knows? Uh, don't don't do that. Just don't do that. Uh, I, I think that. The fact that Ken Palm and the AP have them basically in the same spot lets you know that they're in the right spot at the moment. They're on the fringes of the top 25, and if things go their way and they play well, they could be in the top 25 very quickly. I think that's kind of all what we expected. If Maryland ends up being the 30th best team in the country come March, they're clearly in the tournament, and they're a 6 or 7 seed, which, to be honest, I don't know how many people – I mean, people would complain about it, but right now the goal for Maryland is to get in the tournament. And I think getting into the tournament – at that spot in the country would not be a disservice to Maryland if they played like that this year. But this is saying that in October, who the heck knows how this season evolves and watch me be very wrong in March. That's always what happens when we talk about these sorts of things. Not much else in terms of men's basketball. We are going to have a big preview coming up very, very shortly. Obviously, we will get it with schedules permitting because there's a lot else going on. But stay tuned next week, there, thereabouts, there will be a big men's basketball season preview. I want to use this time, Thomas, to talk about the women because, unfortunately, because of those schedule constraints, we do not have a chance to talk about the women in the depth that we would like to, obviously, because they are Big Ten favorites this year, and they just had their media day. So I'm going to let you get out all that you want to get out about the women because the media and the coaches predicted that they're going to win the conference. And this looks like one of those vintage, really good Brenda Freeze teams. After last year, they had a down year, and by a down year, they made it to the Big Ten title game and made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Love having that be a down year in Maryland women's basketball, and an up year this year could be winning the conference and doing much more than that. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, you know, just where they where they fit in to the national picture. But, um, you know that that'll be sort of a something we find out a little later. Uh, yeah, I mean Maryland last year was this this very young team, the two seniors from 2017, Brianna Jones and Tori Walker Kimbrough graduated. Three players transferred, including Destiny Slocum, who who really was the the future of the program. Um, and so last year's team really revolved around Kyla Charles, who turned into the star that you know she had the potential to be. Um, 
you know, was kind of forced into the number one role. Now she's back for that. And they're, you know, they're bringing in, they, they return pretty much all their scoring. They had the two seniors, Aisha Small and Kristen Confroy. They lost Eliana Kristinaki, who was, um, played, I believe just played half a season for them was kind of up and down. And so they returned the majority of their production and bring in three five-star freshmen who should contribute right away and a transfer and they get Blair Watson back. So things are looking good. They have a lot of depth. They have talent in the backcourt. And in terms of getting tested early on, they go to South Carolina last year, Maryland got beaten up by them pretty badly as you might've well expected. Uh, but that's really their best out of conference test, isn't it? Like they, they play Georgia, they play Georgia tech. Uh, the rest of it's just not great teams, teams that they're going to beat by a trillion billion. Um, so what else do we not have? Not quite. I mean, there are, there are a few tougher opponents than, than you would think. Teams like George Washington, where they play at George Washington, not like that, that is, that's not really an easy game. Um, you know, th- there are a lot more games like that that are going to be tests for a young team. Um, Maryland should win those games, but they will be tests. And mm. there are more, there are fewer just cupcakes, you know, bottom, like outside the top 200 RPI type teams. There are fewer of those than there have been in a while. Okay. Uh, and in terms of the conference, what are we thinking about the Big Ten? Obviously, Maryland's favored to win it, but there are going to be good teams that they play. Uh, Ohio State obviously is going to be there, but they have lost some very interesting talent, of course. Uh, Iowa has been pretty good the last couple of years. Michigan's been pretty decent the last couple of years. What are we thinking about uh, the rest of the Big Ten? Yeah, so last year was kind of an up year for the Big Ten. This year, I think, might be a little back, bit back down. Last year, I think they had five ranked teams at one point. A lot of seniors just graduated. Ohio State graduated pretty much its entire starting five, um, including Kelsey Mitchell, who was – the best player in the conference, one of the best players in the country. Michigan graduated Caitlin Flaherty, who was their leading scorer. Iowa still has Megan Gustafson. She's a real versatile uh, forward center. Uh, Michigan still has Hallie Thome, a really impressive center. So I think to a lot of the people, those are the two other best teams in the conference. But Maryland just has so much more firepower than any of those teams, at least on paper. So in your uneducated opinion, we'll get to more of this as we, as we evolve the season, where does Maryland fit in nationally? I mean, obviously UConn's a destroyer of worlds, but they have lost in the final four the last two years. Um, you know, there are plenty of other good basketball teams around. SEC's got good teams, obviously. They're going to play South Carolina, so they'll learn a little bit about themselves pretty quickly. Uh, do we really know at this point where Maryland fits in nationally? Because being the best in the Big Ten is one thing, but what does that mean for everybody else? I think the uh, the few polls that have come out from like random magazines and stuff that teams only mention if they're ranked highly in them, um, Maryland has mentioned because they're ranked highly in them. I think they were ninth in one, they were sixth in another, and so, you know, this is around where they started a few years ago. I think it was the 2015-16 team mm-hmm. that started, you know, bought, you know, back of the top 10. 
the, the year before or the year after that, they were, I believe, a little higher. Um, and so, you know, it, it's around where you would expect Maryland to be. We'll see how much they can improve on that throughout the season uh, without a ton of crazy difficult teams on their schedule. Um, nationally, I think it's it's pretty wide open. Notre Dame is, you know, the defending champion, might be the team to beat. UConn lost a couple of seniors but still has, you know, a loaded team. And so it's, you know, we'll, we'll see who can challenge those two. And, you know, Maryland's got a real shot. It's a wide open year. You don't often say that in women's college basketball. Well, it's a wide open year. It, By the way, it's relatively as wide open as you'll get. It's not, you know. We're not talking men's, but we're talking pretty wide open, yeah. and that's that's good enough. I mean, the team you were mentioning from three years ago was the one that got Kelsey plumbed at Xfinity Center, which yes. I remember that game very, very well. Uh, yeah, that, that, that happened. Uh, so, very exciting season on tap for women's basketball, which, of course, we're going to cover a lot on the website, of course, and on this podcast. Non-rev sports things. Uh, I actually watched part of a Maryland men's soccer game last night before the World Series, and they almost lost to Penn State, but they won in second half of extra time. And so they're in the top half of the Big Ten. I think their RPI is like 19th now, so tournament probably not a problem for them. And this is a rare down year for men's soccer, so I'm not going to Yeah, I mean, it, it was a real down year for a while. I mean, they, they started 0-2-2. And, um, and you looked at the schedule, and you saw their first couple games, and you thought, oh, they could be 0 and four. They 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 salvaged like some some scoreless draws, and that was what that was the best they were doing early in the year. Their offense has been good of late. I mean, they scored five goals against Ohio State, who's the worst team in the conference, but beating Denver, scoring three goals against Penn State. These are all very encouraging things. Um, Paul Bin was the guy who scored against Denver. He did that in the fifth minute. He injured himself later in that game. Missed the Ohio State game. They still scored five goals. Um, didn't enter last night's game until it was tied late. Mm-hmm. And he ended up scoring the game winner. Mm-hmm. So, very good. Then- so, he's their assassin now. Yes. Maryland didn't have an assassin all season until... Do you know how I like recently. how both of my soccer teams, Maryland and uh, and... Spurs, who I'm about to watch play in about 10 minutes in the Champions League. Their best scorers, in many ways, are both Koreans. I love that. That's awesome. Anyway, uh, off the subject, uh, the women's team lost to Indiana. I think their season's now over. It was a positive building year. Obviously, this team's had some trouble in recent times, but they were better than they were uh, a year ago, I think. So, overall, record-wise, they were actually a little worse, but Big Ten, record-wise, they won an extra game. They beat a ranked team. Um, They we're generally more in it in most games. They didn't get destroyed by anybody. Positive. So, so positive. Yes. Um, this team was still injured. This team was still kind of young, still had, had some real struggles scoring at times, but it is, it was another young team and, you know, they're still building for, for something. I don't know what the ceiling is for this group. Um, you know, I think next year is the year that, you know, maybe you can try to circle and get some answers. But, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. Um, Ray Leon seems like he's got a good, as good a chance as anyone of, of getting Maryland to where it wants to be there. And in terms of volleyball, 
Saw some wins. Yeah, over Steve Aird. Isn't that funny? Well, I mean, Steve Aird doesn't go to teams that are good when he shows up. That's I know, kind of not I know. his thing. I know, but he left the team that wasn't fully formed yet. And then Yeah, well and then, you know, because of the transfers, like the majority of Maryland's lineup when it played Indiana over the weekend was not on last year's team. It was it was kind of, you know, weird to see that, but you know. The the pieces are there. Adam Hughes is he, he's done a pretty good job. Um the pieces he got late in the sort of recruiting cycle and as transfers, because in volleyball you don't have to sit out a year. Oh, um, okay, didn't know that. Well, that's that's why everyone transferred when Aird left. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, my my understanding was they all liked Maryland, but they came to play for the coach, and the coach is gone. You know, let's go somewhere else. No, they all liked Hughes, but mm-hmm. had a chance to leave and did. Yep, okay, makes sense. But they beat Indiana. That's actually kind of funny and amusing to me. Yeah. So uh, how does it work, conference tournament, things of this nature? I should pay attention more to these things, but I haven't, and I'm sorry. So I don't I don't think volleyball has one. They just yeah. have a really long conference season that goes, like, almost to Thanksgiving. Oh, okay, well. And then the NCAA tournament happens. Things you didn't know. Uh, tournament chances, probably still on the outside looking in, but... I gather if you beat teams like Indiana, you still have a chance. You don't hurt I mean, yourself. I Maryland's beating Maryland's beating the bottom of the Big Ten. They haven't picked up any ranked wins yet. So it's like football, basically, minus Texas. Sort of. Okay, I'll, I'll take sort of. Just you want to see that team build because you you saw all the positives from when Steve Aird was there, and then he leaves, and it's just shocking. And they're trying to build up from that. And this is a program that was so down for so long that it's hard to build it back up. They're getting closer. It's just the Big they are Ten getting is close. so brutal. And another, another thing that, that I will say, like, I, I remember just the Big Ten in volleyball is so tough. They have, like, eight or nine ranked teams. I was checking the wrestling rankings. Maryland is 23rd in the country in the preseason wrestling rankings, and they are 12th in the Big Ten. <laughs> Okay, that's crazy. I've never so seen that. Like is, that. That, is, that is, okay, okay. And all my times following any college sports, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's completely yeah. bomb. Ryan, I know we haven't come to you in a while, but uh, what the hell? I've never heard anything like that before in my life. Wrestling was one of the first sports I ever covered at Maryland, and it is, uh, the Big Ten is horrifyingly good. We're working at a website covering the Big Ten last year, it's crazy how much some people like wrestling at Iowa and Penn State, especially, is huge. And well, obviously, it's huge at Iowa. Duh. I don't mean that to say bad things about Iowa. I joke about them lovingly because I love it out there. But I mean, yes, these are big schools and these are big things. But uh, that that's just so funny to me. It's just that Maryland could be actually a top twenty-five team in wrestling and twelfth in their conference. How that's not going to happen in any other sport. I doubt it. But I I think in some ways, like, you got to, if you're Maryland, you got to just kind of like Maryland in the Big Ten East in football. Like, it's ultimately not about wins. It's about, hey, are these games fun? Are these matches close? Um, You know, you you know the answer's been for football so far. But uh, 
and for wrestling for a while. But good to see they're doing well. Twenty third in the country. That's that's amazing. And that's preseason, and I think a lot of that is because they have the number three heavyweight in the country. I'm gonna but, tell you. So, I'm gonna tell you still. something here on this podcast, and I will admit and be honest. I know next to nothing about wrestling. The, the most I know about wrestling is not this kind of wrestling. And even then, that's because I'm on Twitter all the time. And everyone on Twitter likes wrestling. So, what am I, what am I supposed to say? I, don't, I, I feel like it is important to say that when I don't know something, I'm not going to talk about it as much. I'll let other people who are more authorities on the subject do such things. So We'll have, we'll have some wrestling covers this year. We've, we've got a few real hardcore fans on our board. Um, you know, we've, got, we've got some friends with that with that team so we'll yes we'll, we'll have some stuff stick to testudo times for all your coverage of wrestling uh so next week there's going to be some interesting times we'll have a no, field hockey pre- field hockey matt field ho- oh god i did it again field I'm hockey sorry. well they lost so that's why i did that again <laughs> they did ah, lose. you see uh, you see you see what i've done there you see what i've done there but they are the number one seed in the big 10 tournament yes which starts this weekend okay. at home I'm surprised that they lost, period. Yeah, I, w- I was surprised by that, especially because Virginia was not a top 20 team, had a losing record. Still, like, you know, some talent there, but it was surprising. It's one of those games, these low-scoring games, you can kind of just... In hockey, we call them puck slip up games. a games. Yeah, you can slip up a couple times and then suddenly you it's just too hard to come back from it mm-hmm. oh i've seen that with an nhl team that i follow oh boy i've seen that i've seen some things anyway you, you don't you none of you care about the teams that i like except that they're maryland so i don't really think i should go too much into that i think i've mentioned three of them in this podcast just by virtue of association that's that's hilarious probably a new record anyway next week stay tuned to testudo times for all of your stuff about the investigations we will have everything the knowledge you need to know and we will have a podcast solely devoted to what happens in that at some point. We will also, I believe, have enough time to get you a podcast on basketball. We'll have our full basketball season preview next week as well. Uh, we'll try to. Uh, and we will try to get everything covered as well. We'll try to have something done on Illinois. We're going to do our best to try to get as much done because it's probably going to be one of the biggest weeks we've had in Maryland in quite some time in terms of sports. Uh, enjoy Saturday. Enjoy the fact that this game's at 3.30 because guess what happens for the blackout game or the black and silver game, I'm just going to call it because there's going to be a lot more silver bleachers. Another nooner against Michigan State. Of course they are because Maryland is only allowed to play games at noon this year. Anyway, uh, enjoy Saturday. We will be back with all the coverage we need to have on everything that's going on in Maryland next week, which will be a very interesting week. But until then, of course, we'll see you.